Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Come on! Look, it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a tree cast to listen to. But hey, here we are. Glad you're with us. And don't look now, but spring football is almost here as well. And that's what we're going to be spending the bulk of today's program talking about. Glad to be back in the fold with the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. Let me reintroduce myself. (laughs) Hi, I'm Troy Clarity. Great to be with you. Oh, man, 28th season of following Stanford Sports and uh, sixth year of uh, Pac-12 Network play-by-play. Our fifth year overall with the uh, Believe Podcast Network. And spring football season is coming up. And we're going to be talking about that, diving into the weeks ahead for the Cardinal, and also previewing the NFL draft from a Stanford offense point of view. Tavita Pritchard. The Stanford Offensive Coordinator, excuse me, the Andrew Luck Director of Offense and Kevin Hogan Quarterbacks Coach, Tavita Pritchard, our guest. We'll chat with him coming up in a few moments or so. We'll also give you three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. And uh, we have some hardware to catch up on. Uh, A few things have happened since our last chat about a month or so ago. So Tavita Pritchard. And three things coming up a bit later on in the show. Again, hi, how are you? Troy Clarity here. You want to hit me up on Twitter, you are always welcome to do so. You can give me the follow at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. You've got thoughts on the show. You've got thoughts on uh, Stanford Athletics. I always welcome them. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way to ensure that I see those. Hashtag TreeCast is the way there. And if you haven't subscribed or rated or viewed the show just yet, what are you waiting for? Do it now. Now is a great time to do it. And uh, you can always do so uh, subscribing via your favorite listening app, uh, be it Google Podcasts, Apple, Apple, uh, Google Play, rather, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. I think Alexa has you hooked up as well. Any way you want to go, any way you want to listen, the TreeCast with Troy Clarity is there. And we are certainly happy to be here for it. First, this quick reminder that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Before we do anything else on this show, our congratulations, our TreeCast congratulations. The Stanford women's basketball, finally, after 29 years, 
national champions once again. And it came down to a heart-stopping finish in the championship game in San Antonio. Stanford couldn't get off a shot in the final minute. Arizona's Ari McDonald did, but it was just off target at the buzzer. And Stanford won 54-53. Tremendously entertaining tournament. And by the way, Quick shout-out to Arizona. What a story they've been over the past few years. Adia Barnes coming in when that program was in its doldrums just a few years ago. What, four years ago or so? And to see how she got the community on board with that team right from day one and to take them uh, to within an eyelash of a national championship, good stuff from Adia Barnes. But this is a Stanford podcast, so we'll focus on the Cardinal and its doings. And I was, I was really happy for everyone involved with this year's team. Uh, the student-athletes, the coaches, uh, the support staff, and, of course, Tara Vanderveer, the, the woman who makes it all go, uh, especially given what, that, what, that, what this year's team had to do to even play, let alone win the championship. Kudos, very happy for everyone involved with this year's team. But y- you know whom I was perhaps happiest of all for? Everyone who had invested in this program over the last three decades. Look, Stanford's had some incredible players. They've had some some terrific support staff, some some wonderful people working for the program, and some fantastic teams that didn't get a chance to hoist up the big trophy at the very end of it all. And there have been some, some super loyal fans who have been there every step of the way, even when seasons ended in frustration and heartbreak and close calls. I was happiest for them. Uh, the young ladies on this year's team will wear the rings. Hell, they should get crowns. Can, can, can we hook that up? Can they get crowns instead of rings? Those young ladies will wear the rings, but they also carried the torch for the teams and the players of the past. Um, Chinea Nekogumike, uh, Jane Appel, Kate Starberg, Jamila Weidman, those two from my era, uh, Candace Wiggins. I could go on and on because the list does go on and on. And that's the coolest part of this whole thing to me that finally they get a chance to claim a national championship in some small way themselves. That was the coolest thing of it all to me. So congratulations to everyone who has invested anything in the Stanford women's basketball program over the last three decades. By the way, the TreeCast had Tara Vanderveer on as a special guest back in September. Reminder about that. So I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. Go back and check it out. That is our most downloaded episode, by the way. Uh, Time Out with Tara was the name of the episode back in September. So go back in the vault and uh, check out that episode in particular. But I just had to send out that salute. We have other national champions from Stanford to congratulate. More on that in a moment with three things you need to know around Stanford athletics. Let's dive into it right now with number (laughs) And unfortunately, COVID-19 is still very much a thing. No, it didn't go away over the past month. It's getting better. I got my first shot on Tuesday, so that was kind of cool. But some Stanford teams are still dealing directly with the coronavirus. Baseball's the latest. Cardinal canceled road games at Pacific for April 21st and its three-game home series against Washington this weekend due to COVID-19 developments within the program. Women's lacrosse for Stanford also uh, had a little bit of a struggle with, uh, uh, with COVID-19 earlier in the season. Now, Stanford baseball off to a good start overall this year, 22-7. and They're tied for second in the Pac-12. They took two out of three from UCLA at Sunken and at Arizona State on the road this past weekend. Offense and fielding light years ahead of where they were last year. 
right now, priority number one for Stanford baseball, get everyone healthy. Should be priority number one for the country right now as well. Let's get to number two. And the Pac-12 regular soccer season is done, and one Stanford team is moving on to the NCAA tournament, the other already looking ahead to the fall. First, congrats to Stanford men's soccer who won the Pac-12 championship against Washington last Saturday, and they did it in dramatic fashion. And now Stanford presented with a free kick opportunity. Off the head, and into the net for the score! And the Cardinal are off and running with the Pac-12 championship! That sounds familiar. Oh, oh yeah, that, that was me. That's my call on the Pac-12 network. Zach Ryan with the golden goal in the 97th minute. Stanford won 1-0 in a game that it had to have if it wanted to win the conference. A Stanford loss or tie would have given UW the title. It's Stanford's sixth Pac-12 title in the last seven years, and it prevented Washington from repeating as champs. By the way, Washington's head coach, Jamie Clark, Stanford class of 99. I always find that uh, tie a little bit interesting. Next stop for Stanford head coach Jeremy Gunn and his crew, North Carolina for the NCAA men's tournament. Stanford, the number four overall seed. The entire tournament, all venues, will be in the state of North Carolina with the College Cup in mid-May in Cary, North Carolina. Stanford's first match on May 2nd when they'll play the winner of UNC Greensboro, Omaha. Meanwhile, the Stanford season is done for women's soccer. They will not get to defend their national championship as they finished last Friday in Berkeley. That match finished on a dramatic note, too. Pickett, outside, Coleman, Coleman shoots, scores! Good night, everybody! Cardinal win! Yours truly with the call once again on the Pac-12 Network. Stanford beats Cal 1-0, Savannah Coleman the golden goal of the 93rd minute. But that result, even with the win, gave Stanford a 6-6-2 record to finish off the year. Not enough to qualify for a shrunken NCAA tournament field for this season. Kiki Pickett with the assist on the golden goal. And as it turned out, her final sequence in a Stanford uniform. A fitting end to a brilliant career. She was taken fourth overall in the NWSL draft by Kansas City back in January. And after the match on Friday, I asked Kiki to sum up her Cardinal experience. Oh, wow. I don't think words can describe how grateful I am to be a part of this program. And as you see, it's an amazing group of women. And I played against amazing uh, Stanford players, uh, former and current. So it's an unbelievable experience, and I wouldn't tra change it for the world. A portion of uh, my chat with Kiki Pickett on the Pac-12 Network. We're gonna miss. I'm gonna miss watching her play. I know a lot, of, a lot of Stanford fans are as well. What a fantastic ambassador for Stanford and the sport as she heads to the next level. Madison Haley planning on coming back by. The way. Meanwhile, first time that Stanford's missing the NCAA tournament since 1997. How about that? Injuries, youth, the inability to train during the offseason kind of doomed the Cardinal to some extent, but the foundation is still there, and this squad could be right back at the top of the pecking order very, very soon. Let's wrap up three things with number three. And the Cardinal Kings and Queens of the Heap in several sports. Congratulations to Stanford Synchronized Swimming and Stanford Men's Gymnastics for winning national championships this month. Men's Gymnastics repeating as national champs in Minneapolis last weekend and Synchronized Swimming with its first title since 2016. 
Also, it's our first chance on the TreeCast to congratulate Stanford Wrestling's national champion, Shane Griffin. Uh, he won the 165-pound weight class last month in St. Louis. Griffith, one of the very, very best in the business right now. He's absolutely superb. In fact, his career record is 40-1, and one, and that one loss came along the way uh, in the NCAAs on his run-up uh, to a national championship. You know the subplots surrounding the Stanford Wrestling Program and its future, along with 10 others. But in a year that has tested everyone's endurance, dedication, and commitment on so many different levels, Griffith winning the national championship, perhaps a fitting end to that chapter of the story. Congrats to all who brought home hardware for the Cardinal, and really above all, especially this year, more so than perhaps any other year, congratulations to all who competed. Those are three things. We'll chat with Stanford's offensive coordinator, also known as the Andrew Luck Director of Offense and the Kevin Hogan Quarterbacks Coach, Davina Pritchard coming up in a brief moment or so. Uh, but first, this brief word. Um, look, sunglasses can be a pain. I'm rocking a pair right now that's kind of missing the, the tab, the nose pad tab. So it can get a little uncomfortable at times. When I'm wearing my mask, hey, it, it's all good. But when I'm not, and you should be, by the way, but when I'm driving in my car and I've got my sunglasses on, it can be a little uncomfortable. So you know what? It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at Kanan.com, that's K-A-E-N-O-N, and receive 15% off your first pair. That's Kanancast15. Kanan, clearly better. Well, in a lot of ways, the Stanford offense in 2020 was clearly better than it was in 2019, but some, some question marks at some key spots for the Stanford offense as the 2021 season looms just around the corner. What's on the plate for the Cardinal? And what do we need to know about some Stanford offensive draft prospects with the NFL draft coming up next week? I've got just the person to catch up with, and he is our special guest on this week's TreeCast. Former Stanford quarterback and current Cardinal assistant coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback's coach for Stanford, and also a really cool dude all the way around. I always enjoy chatting up and catching up with him. Well, one and only. Tavita Pritchard, our guest on this week's TreeCast. Tavita, thanks a bunch. I always appreciate the time, my man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Troy. Excited to be here. You bet. You bet. Always a pleasure to uh, catch up with you and, uh, and and talk a little ball with you. But first, let's let's start here. Uh, spring session coming up. As mentioned, the spring game set for May 22nd. Give me the timeline for uh, for what's on the team's plate and uh, for and for important dates to remember and things like that uh, for the weeks ahead as we get closer. Yeah, uh, so exciting! You know, exciting. We're gonna get back on the field, get back on the grass. I think there was a there was a little buzz today. We actually had our last kind of uh, off-season uh, workout that, that we generally have like at the end of February. So our, our, all of our, our clocks are off a little bit. Um, but we just, we just finished that. We were on the field this morning with the guys for more of an off-season type of workout. Uh, and then basically a week from today will be our first set of meetings and practice. And so we'll be on the field next Tuesday, Thursday, 
uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe it is. And we'll basically have from that point on over the, over the course of the coming weeks, uh, 15 practices. All right. Good to see and good to hear and looking forward to hearing how things develop. And of course, we'll get deeper into that uh, as far as your initial read on things uh, coming up in a few moments or so. But first, now that you've had some distance to kind of get away from it, take a little bit of a deep breath, hopefully, your final analysis of the 2020 season. What were some of your high points? What were some of your points of improvement that, that you wanted to especially work on for the season ahead? Yeah, I, I Troy, I think the, the place that you have to start when you, you look at uh, that season that was so unique, I guess, for lack of a better term, for so many of us, um, I, just, I just think of the way our guys handled adversity, you know, and, and, and obviously we're doing a lot of recruiting right now, and we're talking a lot about our locker room and the culture of our Stanford program, and I just can't say enough about our guys and how they handled being on the road for 19 days basically being sequestered to their, their hotel rooms, uh, you know, other than when we were, um, you know, out on the field at practice. I mean, you know, between Bellevue, Washington and Corvallis, Oregon and Santa Barbara, California. I mean, you know, we were uh, the support staff that, that all made the administration that all made that possible, you know, all those things are, you know, had to come together, but the way our guys responded to that challenge, I think that's the beginning, middle and end. When you look at, um, evaluating the season, I guess, was, was was your question. Now, when you get into more of the nuts and bolts football-wise, I think we have some really exciting uh, things ahead of us. You know, obviously, we have some, we have some uh, holes to fill, some spots to, uh, um, I guess, decide on, you know, with guys competing uh, along the offensive line at the receiver position, obviously, the quarterback position. So, we got some, we got some, uh, some competition ahead, um, which we're excited about. But as you look at what we did um, you know, on offense, I thought, I thought, you know, we did enough to not only keep us in games, but especially, you know, that last game, the, the, uh, you know, the couple of times that we had to close games out and finish ball games. Um, you know, I think again, pointing to the, the, uh, resilience of this team, I think it was highlighted also by our offense and our ability to, you know, whether it was building lead early on, um, or, you know, coming back in the UCLA game, I thought, we had to do what was what was to be done to win games. And now I think the next step is right. Um, not having to either make up ground or hold on, you know, at the end of a game, because uh, we would like to take the next step in just playing consistently throughout. Right. And, and, and being there the whole game and not taking our foot off the gas. And so I think looking ahead just from a, a bird's eye view, a, you know, a general perspective, that's what we're looking for. How much more was the Stanford a offense able to accomplish last year because of the market improvement by the offensive line, which is obviously in flux for 2019 throughout much of that season, much more stability across the board 2020. How much more was the Stanford offense able to do because of that development with the guys up front? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge part of it. You know, I mean, the game starts up front and, and we make no bones about that here at Stanford. I mean, we, we, we know where our bread is buttered. We know that, you know, even the, the great quarterbacks, the great running backs, the great receivers and tight ends we've had, um, the, the best teams and the best offenses we've had have been highlighted first by the offensive line. And, and so, you know, getting to the, uh, to the core of your question, we couldn't have had the season we had on offense without those guys playing the way that they did. You know, and I commend first and foremost, Drew Dahlman and, and Foster Sorrell, you know, our two seniors 
uh, on that offensive line who led the charge, you know, because so much of offensive line play and the effectiveness of that unit is about the strength of the unit, right? And not any individual players. The best ones we've had have, sure, they've had great individual players, um, but they have been the, the tightest knit uh, offensive lines that have gelled the most together. So I can't say enough about that group and the way that they, um, you know, they attack the off season. I mean, I mean, you know, Troy, we, we uh, came together at different points in the off season and, and we didn't even talk X's and O's, but those guys got together and said, Hey, there's a tradition here. There's a standard that's been set of offensive line play here at Stanford. And we need to make sure that we are living up to that. And so I can't say enough about the way that that group uh, took on that mantle and the way that they performed uh, as a full cohesive unit over the course of the year. Yeah, the Tunnel Workers Union was back by the end of the year. It was certainly nice uh, to see that. Uh, what, what's the best story that you can tell from the season? I mean, obviously, so many memorable moments on and maybe even more so off the field uh, with everything that went into the season, just getting to play and obviously keeping the season going. What's the best story that, that, that you can tell from the season that maybe we haven't heard yet? Oh, man, the best story. So you're putting me on the spot now here. Um, I mean, I mean, honestly, Troy, like, as, as you look at, like, I will, I like the snapshots for me of the season are going to be things like walking from the Hilton garden Inn in Corvallis to your Oregon state beavers practice facility. You know, they're going to be these moments of just like this bizarre world that none of us ever thought we'd be a part of, you know, when you think about a, a, college football season you know having lived through 15 of them previously here um it was just like the the, the snapshots of kind of the atypical nature of our journey i think are, are what like those are those are the things that are going to flash back for me now if i had to boil you know one thing down it's hard to beat the entirety of that that ucla game no i shouldn't say the entirety the fun part was the last part right <laughs> basically from the point where we threw the pick six with six minutes left to go down 14. It was pretty darn fun from that point on. But, you know, I'll never forget the moment of getting on the phone with Davis after that pick. And, you know, I think it, it sums up Davis Mills, um, just that, just the, the even keeled nature of his approach, you know, and he got refocused very quickly. He knew what had to be done. He knew we were going right back out there. And, you know, we talked, talked about a couple of things, but he said, I got it, you know, and I, and I go, okay. Right. And, you know, the rest is history. You know how the rest of the game went. Um, but that, that moment will certainly stick out for me. That moment, uh, you know, coming on the field and celebrating with the guys and just, you know, I think there was just so much uh, pent up emotion that, that occurred over the, over the course of those 19 days that we were on the road and so many things were in limbo and, um, you know, I, I was just, again, I was proud of our guys and I was happy for them that it could kind of culminate in that way down there in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, maybe in, 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 in a lot of ways, maybe perhaps no better fitting finish uh, to that season last year. Uh, NFL draft coming up next week. You mentioned Davis Mills. He's been getting a lot of hype, a lot of momentum building. It seems the closer we get to the NFL draft, his pro day was held last month, was very intrigued to, uh, to watch that and to see and, and watch and, and see how that developed. Uh, take us inside Davis Mills throwing script. If you can, what were some of the, how did it come together? And what were some of the things that, that you guys wanted to emphasize? Yeah. Well, that was, that was built off some existing scripts that we had had. And then Davis worked uh, 
Davis, myself, and, and, the, and the, uh, the coach that he trained with kind of for the time leading up to the pro day, um, uh, we all, all kind of worked on together. And, and honestly, you know, wanted to highlight, you know, of, of course, some of the rhythm throws, you know, that are, that are going to be asked of him, but also some of the things that were a little off schedule, off balance, where his, where, you know, maybe where his feet couldn't be set. You saw some of the retreating throws, you saw some of the throws on the move, <clears throat> because, you know, one of the things that drew us to Davis early on in the, in the recruiting process was the ease with which that he could make every different type of throw, you know, and I'm talking about all those same things I just mentioned, whether it was off platform, throwing on the run, both to his right and to his left, having to fade back because of pressure. Um, and of course, being able to stay in there and on rhythm, you know, deliver the football. He does that so naturally and so easily and so well, that's what we, we wanted to highlight, you know, and then uh, I also joked with him that he did a nice job ordering the range for that day because we were able, he was able to check another box, you know, right there for all those, you know, whether it's, it was the NFC North teams or what, you know, Seattle Seahawks, what have you, those teams that will play in the elements. Uh, Davis answered those questions as well. It also seemed, and this is from, from my relatively <laughs> untrained eye sitting on my couch, but it also seemed like he might have been calling a bit more of the shots. Uh, a bit more than you might normally see, or at least some surface really that than I've noticed from other uh, pro days, both at Stanford and maybe uh, elsewhere as well. Look, anyone, sure. you know, a kid can throw 60, 70 yards in the air, you know, against air in his shorts, you know, no problem. But it also seemed like you guys were maybe showcasing his command of the huddle and the offense as well. Was that, was that really the case? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, for, for an untrained, Die, as you say, which I may disagree, uh, it's a it's a it's a perceptive uh, assessment there. So so it was absolutely something that we had thought about and talked about was, you know, Davis, hey, this is your show. And not only are they evaluating your ability to spin the football. Right. But they they want to see you take charge out there on the field, you know, and, and, and he knew that and he did a great job of taking that and running with it. It's why we incorporated the huddles, you know, as kind of our built in breaks because he was able to bring those guys together and say, hey, you know, here's what we have coming up break the huddle and then yes as you said able to able to direct the guys on the field uh because that's as much a part of playing the quarterback as anything is being able to direct traffic out there and and take charge so yes that is was 100 percent uh, uh planned and intentional on our part a thumbnail sketch of the other offensive uh draft prospects uh, as, as you sit with Simi Fajoko who has the tangibles off the roof and really became a complete receiver as the season went along uh Walker Little we didn't see him but certainly well coveted by NFL draft scouts for quite a while you mentioned Drew Dahlman Connor Weddington Foster Sorrell your thumbnail sketch of some of the other offensive uh draft prospects uh coming into Stanford or coming from Stanford yeah, you know, I think starting with that offensive line group, I, I mentioned the first thing. I mean, I think I think the leadership and intangibles that those two guys in particular, those three guys bring uh, are off the charts. And obviously we recruit a specific type of player here at Stanford, a specific type of person. And so I can't say enough about the, the work that those three did in the offseason leading up. You know, and I, I, I don't want to leave out Walker at all when I mentioned last year's offseason and some of the prep work that was done leading into the season before he made the decision to opt out um, you know Walker was just as big a part of uh, you know our journey up into uh, you know basically the season being reinstated and and so I think what you get with that group is you get three really hard-working guys um, you get three guys who are hell-bent on going and making their mark in the NFL um, and then, you know, breaking it down by guy, obviously Walker has uh, incredible physical tools. He was able to showcase those two 
those first two years here. And obviously the sample size isn't what some of the NFL teams, you know, want. But as you said, I mean, the, the end of the day, they have to make projections, you know, and, and a guy like Walker, I think somebody's going to get a steal, you know, in drafting Walker wherever he goes. Um, because, you know, I know that is one of the concerns is just he doesn't have as much film as some of the other prospects because of the way that his career played out with COVID and everything else. Uh, Drew, you get an absolute machine in Drew Dahlman. He, 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 I, I don't know that I've ever seen someone work like Drew Dahlman work. He obviously has the pedigree with his dad, um, but a guy who's going to work himself into being a, the consummate pro because of, the, because of his approach to everything that he does. You have a mechanical engineering major right? Playing the game of football. I mean, the, the football IQ part is off the charts. Uh, who he is as a teammate. I want you to watch a couple of plays, Troy. One of them is uh, go watch the touchdown that Tucker Fist scores, um, both in the UCLA game and the Oregon State game. And go watch Drew Dahlman go down there and celebrate with him. He plays for his teammates. He is selfless. He is everything that came out of that guy's mouth during the year was about his teammates and what he could do for the team. And that is that is what he's about. Uh, with Foster, you get something very similar. You get a worker, you get a guy who's gonna who's gonna work on his um, on his game and perfect his craft, loves the game of football, um, and a tremendous leader in his own right. Um, with the the pass catchers, you know, you mentioned the two receivers, um, Simi, you know, the ceiling, the ceiling is is really, really high for that guy. Like, as you said, I mean he was still progressing as the season finished and obviously with some opportunities increasing with you know both Mike and Connor being out late in the year uh, and you really saw what he could do so very similarly I think um, you know some teams get really really excited about uh, projecting Simi and what you know where his ceiling is and the and the way that the arrow is going um, with Connor you know with him I think you get a guy who's kind of a Swiss army knife you know like some other guys we've had here in the past you know, he's going to, you know, the team that's going to draft him and take him is going to be one that knows how to use him in, in, in his versatility, right? He was a high school running back and a high level one came in, came in here and learned how to play the receiver position, having never done it before. Cannot say enough about the way that that guy worked. He has trained his tail off in the off season right now. Um, and that's just, that's just how he's built, you know, so wherever he goes, likewise, he's going to be a consummate pro. He's going to play special teams. He's tough. He's tough-minded. I'm um, excited to see, you know, what he does next. Uh, and the last guy is is uh, Scooter Harrington. You know, another guy who's coming out this year. Uh, you know, a long line of tight ends who have come out of this place, and I think Scooter played his best football this year. You know, caught a few touchdowns, uh, blocked as well as he ever has in the running game, and, and just more than anything, he was <clears throat> he was the consummate fifth-year senior. You know, he was the guy who had been there, done that, experienced it. So he, he was able to guide some of those younger guys, whether it was in the tight end room or otherwise. You know, we had great leadership, Troy, from not just our captains, um, you know, but the other senior leadership on the team. And he was he was certainly at the forefront of that. Yeah, certainly a lot of uh, talent and a lot of quality, I think, uh, for Stanford. Uh, and that Stanford's going to be offering up to the pros next year. And I still can't get over Simi Fajoko, 6'4", 226. I'm old enough to remember when receivers were like 5'9", 175 pounds, man. Jeez. Bigger, I'm, faster, stronger, no, right? don't make them like that anymore. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, widen the shot here for a second before we get uh, deeper into spring, uh, into this spring. Um, 
college football, of course, always evolving trends throughout offensive college football. Uh, that's that's always a work in progress. Uh, what trends do you think have defined offensive college football over the past 10 years? And how would you say that Stanford is either has either embraced those trends or maybe even bucked them? Oh, um, you know, I mean, I think you can't talk about kind of offensive trends in football in the last decade without mentioning tempo, you know, because I think that's something that's just been so prevalent across the landscape of, of college offense and how tempo is being utilized. Um, and, you know, and, and, and we have, you know, I'd like to think we've always thought of creative ways to, to use tempo. Now it's different than most, you know, we attack it from a, from a, uh, probably our flavor, you know, through our lens, uh, we're still one of the dinosaurs that we teach how to huddle up. Right. But, you know, we, we use that to our advantage, right. Because unlike some of these teams that never are going to huddle up, right. We, can get into that methodical mode, right? Which allows us that when we do go no huddle, which we have a fair amount over the last, you know, call it three to five years, uh, you know, presents something different, uh, you know, a, a different aspect. And then obviously, you know, you, the, the bigger buzzwords are, you know, the RPO game, the spread, and, you know, kind of the air rate, you know, especially with the, with the success of Mike Leach and some of his disciples across the landscape of college football. Um, I, I think here, here, where we fall, uh, you know, in that, in that, uh, conversation, um, we never want to be hamstrung by, uh, saying we are this, or we are this, you know, the uniqueness of Stanford, I believe is that, uh, we recruited a certain type of person, an athlete, and, um, it's why we've had rosters over the years, you know, with, uh, in one year, Andrew Luck and three NFL tight ends, Zach Ertz, Levine Toilolo, and Kobe Fleener. And then, and you look up, and on next on the next one, it's it's uh, Christian McCaffrey and Bryce Love in the same backfield, you know. And and you know, you go back before the the Andrew team, and you know there was a, a running back who looked like Toby Gearhart, right? So we've had different uh, uh, again like categories of players over the course of the year, different makeups of rosters. And so I think you know it's on us and our offensive staff to figure out, hey, what is the best way to utilize our collection of talent and personnel this year in the combination of that. And, uh, you know, I think incorporating some of those things, you know, whether it's a spread aspect or an air rate aspect uh, or tempo, you know, I think we're always, I mean, the best, you know, I learned this early in my coaching career that, you know, the best, the best coaches are the best thieves, right? I mean, I mean, watching uh, other college teams, watching NFL teams, finding ways that you can incorporate some of the things they do that fit your personality as an offense, uh, I think is really valuable. And, and so, um, I, I'd like to think that we love to take different parts of different systems, you know, especially when we think they can be effective um, in, in our conference and against the, the defenses that we play. So we'll continue to find ways, uh, you know, to be innovative and, and push the envelope on who we can be as an offense. And at the same time, you know, do it within our personality and the things that we've found over time. You know, we also don't want to just be at the whim of every fad that's running across college football. We've won a lot of games around here and, and we, you know, we have a formula. And so we want to, we want to honor that as well while we are still, you know, looking to make sure that we're staying on the cutting edge of offensive football. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing how the evolution continues and it does continue. Uh, the quarterback room will look pretty different, of course, for this upcoming year, as we start to talk about uh, the spring ahead, a couple last things here for you. And let's start with the quarterback room because that's going to be the big subplot uh, when you have a guy like Davis Mills out and when you have maybe some, some unsettled uh, things happening there, take us inside the quarterback room right now, as we speak here in mid to late April. Yeah. 
uh, I, I would say first, the, the collection of, of guys we have in there just really excites me. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy uh, meeting with these guys, albeit over Zoom, um, but you, just, you have six phenomenal human beings, phenomenal student athletes in our quarterback room here at Stanford. You know, and starting with the older guys, uh, well, I'll, start, I'll just go by age order. The oldest guy in the room who you got to see a little bit of, you know, towards the end of the year uh, is a guy named Isaiah Sanders, you know, guy who kind of fell into our lap. Uh, you talk about an impressive resume. You know, this guy was a, a Rhodes Scholarship finalist. Um, and, you know, he is he is as impressive a human being uh, as we've had here at Stanford. You know, obviously started at the Air Force Academy, uh, gave us the ability to have a couple different wrinkle, wrinkles, uh, you know, in what we do um, on offense here. And, and, and so excited about what he brings from a leadership perspective, but also what he brings from an ability perspective in the, in the quarterback room. Then in the same class, you have Jack West and Dylan Plouts, uh, both of whom who have been uh, great guys at, at practice and, and working their tails off to, to learn our offense and be quarterbacks in this system. Jack, obviously, you saw start the Oregon game uh, this last year, and we had the, uh, you know, the, the, the Davis situation happen. Um, and then you saw him in the UCLA game last year. You know, and I, I bring that game up as well because what you see from Jack West is uh, a guy who took a big step from that UCLA game last year to the Oregon game this year, right? The way that he responded and played after playing a game that he did not play the way that he wanted to in that UCLA game over a year ago, right? He responded in the way that you want a guy to respond in that situation, right? And so excited to see that, that as he continues to progress and build and, and how he can go compete for that starting job. Uh, in the next class, Tanner McKee um, is, is, is uh, you know, the guy who was, who was off for his, his uh, mission for his church in Brazil. He was, he actually came back a little bit early because of the, uh, the pandemic. Um, but was, what was there in Brazil, you know, he tried to work out and, and, you know, throw the pigskin around as much as he could, but that's obviously has some challenges, you know, when you're in another country, especially one, uh, where the other kind of football is as big as it is. Um, and so we came back, it was our first experience with having a, 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 a quarterback who went on a mission. Um, but I can't say enough about the work that, that he did to get back into playing shape, but then the work that he did to just, you know, kind of hit the ground running and pick up our offense and, um, you know, different than most guys who come right in out of high school and they've been playing football, you know, he had to kind of restart that engine. Um, and we're extremely excited about him. Again, you saw him uh, in that Oregon game as well, you know, made a couple of good plays, uh, had some mistakes. And so for him right now, it's, it's just trying to inundate him with opportunities to make mistakes and learn, right? And because for him, we look at opportunities as uh, growth opportunities. And, and, and so, you know, Tanner's absolutely in that progression and he uh, he's excited about this upcoming spr spring too uh, and his opportunity to go compete. Um, and then Bo Nelson is the other guy in his class from Idaho, uh, extremely hard worker, excited about him. And then our first early enrollee here at Stanford, Ari Patu, uh, who, had, who has had also a unique journey through high school with his family having moved around a, a couple different times, uh, had some injuries. And then obviously with the pandemic and coming here early, didn't play a senior season, you know, so uh, with Ari, uh, a limited sample size, you know, of, uh, of, of football, but I can already tell you there are rave reviews about him in the weight room uh, in, in all the different people that, that, 
that he has worked with in his short time here at Stanford, because this is a guy that, that knows how to work. This is a guy that's here with a, a focus and a purpose to go be a great football player, a great person, and a great student. So again, I can't say enough about that room just from an overall perspective um, and the way that they work and attack every single day. And I, I am genuinely excited. Having been through some quarterback competitions myself, both, both as a player and as a coach, uh, it excites the heck out of me to go out there and let and see these guys compete and go through that journey with them. Yeah, that, that's certainly going to be the big thing, I would imagine, to watch for this team in the weeks and the months ahead. As we wrap this up, what else is on the squad's to-do list as we all start to ramp up and get back uh, on the field and get ready for the spring game on May 22nd? Yeah, I, I would say one of the other big things, uh, you know, as you talk about kind of headlines is we're breaking into offensive line coach. Uh, Terry Heffernan joined us for the Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. uh, very thankful and grateful to have worked and coached with Kevin Carberry. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Uh, excited for him and his in his the next step in his journey, uh, you know, and we we're, we're welcoming a new member to the Stanford football family, Terry. And, uh, you know, Coach Heffernan comes with great experience. Um, really excited to just kind of, you know, get him here. He's, he's already here. He's on campus, you know, but excited to see him kind of uh, impart his wisdom on this group, right? And, 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 and use some of his coaching points, some of his expertise, and just see, you know, where that takes, you know, this current Tunnel Workers Union, this current iteration of, uh, but he's, you know, there's already been uh, so much positive uh, out of this hire and, and, and just really excited about, you know, the, the, the days and weeks and months to come uh, with Coach F. Well, I would like to say that I can't wait until the fall, which is true. I can't. But that being said, there's so much that needs to happen before then for us all to get yes. ready yes. to get ready for the uh, 2021 Amen. season. Amen. Spring football comes first and the squad hits the field in that endeavor starting next week and helping to lead the charge, of course, is the Andrew Luck director of offense and Kevin Hogan quarterbacks coach. Tavita Pritchard. That's a lot of quarterbacks names in one sentence. Tavita, <laughs> thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time. Uh, can't wait till our next chance to chat. Best of luck, best of health to you and the family. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Troy. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate the uh, time from uh, Tavita Pritchard. Always uh, good to catch up with him. And uh, yeah, I, I really, I'm really glad that, you know, asking him about, you know, how Stanford has either embraced or bucked certain trends around college football uh, from an offensive standpoint, you know, I kind of, this really hadn't occurred to me, but I'm glad he brought it up. You know, Stanford is, has kind of straggled those lines a little bit, but they've also been able to win games with various personnel. I mean, yes, yeah, Stanford's become known as tight end U, big pass catchers and, 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 and things of that nature, but certainly from the running back standpoint, they've won big games with different style of running backs. Toby Gerhardt, quite different from Stephon Taylor. Very different from Christian McCaffrey, a bit different from Bryce Love, and a little different from Austin Jones. So at different positions, or at least at the same position, Stanford has been able to win big games at a key position with different style of personnel. So I'm glad that, that, that Tavita kind of brought that up a little bit and painted it um, in, in those terms. So, yeah, while Stanford is still known more often than not for 
you know, it's it, it's it's smash mouth mentality, running seven, eight different offensive linemen at you during the course of a game, running power and power and power and power again until you just finally keel over and call it a day and just say, look, if you run power one more time, then that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm stopping myself out <laughs> as the as the famous story from the 2009 USC game goes. But still, Stanford able to win games with different personnel. So I, I thought that was a, a neat way of putting it by uh, Tavita Pritchard, and I certainly appreciate him uh, spending some time with us. Uh, a, four, a few more thoughts for me on the Stanford offense here as we head towards um, the uh, the Stanford uh, spring session coming up in a bit. But, but, but first, you know, look, it's a stressful time. You know, you might have some, some difficulty sleeping. Your, your immune system might be down a little bit because you're not quite getting to the gym as much as you used to, your energy, your focus. Well, you know what? You might want to consider Just Live uh, coming out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C, plus they're vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a product that they could trust and stand behind. So if you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or he- stress or immune health, rather, uh, you might want to consider giving those a try. Buy one, get one free of the new gummies line with code SUPPORT at JustLive.com. That's buy one, get one free at JustLive.com and use code SUPPORT. Back to the Stanford offense and building on some of the things that uh, Tavita Pritchard discussed in our conversation um, with him. And look, I'm, I'm a big knowns versus unknowns guy. And the list of unknowns uh, larger and larger for pretty much everything over the past year. But, but certainly, I think there are more than a few knowns with the Stanford offense. Mike Wilson, you know I'm a big fan of his. That dude balls out. Straight baller, every single week, competitor. Love watching that dude catch as he is, is, I think, going to establish himself firmly as one of the better wide receivers or on track to establish himself firmly as one of the better wide receivers in the Pac-12 this upcoming season. Big fan of Austin Jones, too. And uh, I, I, I really appreciate how much more of a complete player he became uh, last week, not just running the ball, but his pass protection at times was absolutely lights out big fan of those two uh offensive tackle uh i'd like to see more depth there but the front line should be fantastic with walter rouse and mile hinton leading the way the guard position's pretty nice too and there's some depth there as well quarterback is a is a question mark and to a lesser extent but no less important center is a bit of a question mark as well the good news here is that, you know, Stanford doesn't necessarily need to have all the answers by the close of business on May 22nd after uh, the tape is uh, reviewed from the Stanford football spring game scheduled for that day. So Stanford doesn't need to have, have everything completely 100% set in stone by the end of the spring game. And look, that's never the case for any team, right? I mean, no, no one looks at their, their team in the spring and goes, all right, cool, we're ready to roll. No changes are going to be made uh, before, before uh, we start fall drills, and certainly everything is set by the time we head to opening day. No, no, that, that's not how this works. And you don't need to have all the answers, but you can certainly work as close as you can towards getting as much separation as you can and start to get closer to those answers. And that's what, that's what spring sessions are partly for. 
And glad to hear that the fellows will be taking the field for the on-field uh, portions of spring ball starting next week, building up towards the spring game on May 22nd. Exciting stuff. And uh, we'll come at you a couple more times, uh, I believe. We'll come at you a couple more times in the weeks ahead, building up to and just beyond the spring game. And, of course, we'll also keep an eye on what's happening around the rest of Stanford Athletics as well. As usual, I always encourage your thoughts. I would like to make this as interactive show as I possibly can with your thoughts on the show, on Stanford Athletics. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter is the best way to do that. And give me the follow, of course, at Troy Clarity. At Troy Clarity, the last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. Once again, if you haven't rated and reviewed the show, I always appreciate that. Um, especially the, the kind and honest reviews from people I don't know. I mean, all the reviews I've seen are from people I don't know. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty cool. And they all seem to like the show as well. So, so that's even all the cooler. If you like the show, tell the whole world about it. If you don't like me, or if you don't like the show, tell me about it. Hey, if you don't like me, tell me about it too. So, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not perfect, but hey, you know, I always appreciate uh, the uh, interactive portion um, of the show. So subscribe, rate, and review. And we will come at you next time. We're on an irregular posting pattern, as has been proven over the last, especially over the last few weeks or so. Uh, so we'll come at you next time, whenever that time may be. In the meantime, thanks again to our special guest, the Andrew Luck Director of Offense and the Kevin Hogan Quarterbacks Coach, Davida Pritchard, for spending some time with us here on the TreeCast. Biggest thanks, as always, goes out to you for joining us on the show and being a part of the program. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. And wear a mask. That still stands. Wear a mask, mask it or casket, and get that vac. Got my first shot on Tuesday, and I'm feeling a little bit better. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Get that vaccine so we can get all of this, COVID-19 related-wise anyway, behind us. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by Bet Online. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.